Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, and welcome to the Smart Tech Check podcast, where we cover all tech topics that are smart home, home automation, security, and console gaming related. Today is Friday, October 16th, 2020. This week, as everyone knows, has been iPhone 5G phone week. And uh, I think all, all of you know that Apple started taking pre-orders early this morning at uh, 5 a.m. Pacific time. Even I had a little bit of difficulty. It took me about 20 minutes to actually order a phone for my mom. So I'm doing the right son thing. Um, but for a great and robust, and uh, I'm sure will be an entertaining discussion on the new iPhone models, I'm joined by three esteemed, and I use that word uh, carefully, uh, tech journalists who you know well from previous podcasts, uh, Rob Pegarero, John Queen, and Stuart Walpin. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mark. Hey. Guys, I like to do this just to give you, make sure you get your due. Uh, let's start with Stuart. Give us a little bit about your background and all the wonderful publications. Stuart, you've written for? Uh, well, it's probably easier to list the publications I haven't written for, <laughs> but uh, I've been doing this for about uh, 35 years. Um, I write for a whole host of publications as a freelance writer reviewer. I think my, my proudest claim to fame is I'm sort of the unofficial historian for the organization. I uh, write the Hall of Fame biographies for the industry, and I write the industry history of the organization for CTA, Consumer and Technology. If and if I'm not mistaken, you wrote Martin Van Buren's inaugural address. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm, <laughs> no, no, no. It was William Henry Harrison's. I killed him because it was too long. I tend to write way too long. John, John, please introduce yourself. Sure, I'm John Quain. I write for the New York Times. I've done that for about 20, more than 20 years now, covering technology and science, and as well, contribute to a number of other places. Uh, Tom's Guide, I review TVs. I'm a contributing editor there and uh, write about science and technology for Gizmodo and a slew of other places. I was at PC Magazine for kind of years uh, and work for CBS. So that's, that's my story. And John, from that camera angle, looks like you, I know you're a New York City guy because you got the bicycle on the, on the uh, hanger above you. Right. It looks like it's going to hit you in the head. So hopefully that doesn't happen during the podcast. No, it's, it's, it's very secure there, though. I just wrote about bicycle safety in Saturday's New York Times, actually. Really? So it's, yeah, it's a little scary out there these days. Well, that would be a first if you got injured during a podcast. That would be, <laughs> that would be a podcast in itself. Rob Pegarero, my, my Washington football team but <laughs> how are you? Very well. Uh, so, hey, folks, I'm Rob Pegarero. I've been covering the tech industry for since the days when the, the hot smartphone was the Treo 650. And before that, Palm Pilot handheld organizers. Uh, you can find my work at a bunch of different places. Uh, USA Today, where I do a sort of tech support column. Fast Company, I cover various personal tech issues. Forbes, I write about uh, media and tech policy there. There's a few guides and maintained at the New York Times Wirecutter site. So one of them is about smartphone plans. So if you have any questions at all about that, talk to me. You're the guy. You're the guy. Well, you know, I, for the life of me, I did not know Apple was going to announce new iPhones this week. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 was, taken, I was taken off guard. You know, it was one of those secrets. No, Apple was a really good job of keeping those secrets. And, um, but uh, first of all, let's uh, go around the, uh, go around the, the, uh, the roster here and just get your reaction to the announcement itself. Um, were there any surprises? And I'll start with you, Stuart. Did, did, uh... Yes, I was surprised by one primary thing. 
And this is really probably in the weeds, but I think it's probably going to be more important down the road than we probably realize, is that they included, Apple included MM Wave 5G technology in all four models. Mm -hmm. The rumor before the event was that they would only include it in the pro models and maybe even only the top pro model. Now, for those who don't understand, 5G is actually two different technologies. One is called sub, sub six, which is what most 5G runs on. That's where you get one up to one gig connectivity. Most of the time is around 800 megabits per second. MM Wave is a, is a more powerful technology, but it is very limited in terms of range because you really have to be almost line of sight to the transmitter. And so very few carriers have really put up MM Wave uh, networks. Um, Verizon's UWB is essentially an MM Wave network. It's still new. They're still trying to figure out the range of it all. But by including MM Wave in all the models, they've essentially made the iPhone 12 to a certain extent 5G future proof because the MM Wave is simply going to grow and it will be used for a lot of last mile connectivity sorts of things. So I think it's a very important thing for iPhone owners that they have this technology they may not be aware of now, but may be very important by the time year two or year three of their ownership is. No, I, I think you're exactly right. In fact, Rob, you and I had this conversation early in the week, uh, chatted, is that I, for one, thought there was a possibility that Apple might go down the segmentation route and have the, um, the millimeter wave capability at the higher end and the other, uh, the, the more, reli not reliable, but the, the um, slower yeah, speeds, but, 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 more, but more widely, not widely accepted, but certainly uh, you know, probably a bit more practical given where the infrastructure is built out right now. So I think that was smart, actually, because you know, because Apple is all about reducing complexity. They didn't probably want to have you know another twenty-five different SKUs, and that's very confusing. And frankly, if you watch the announcement, Stuart, they didn't spend a lot of time on the different type of technology. They they, they, talk, they did talk about ultra wideband, but that's a different uh, conversation. But you know, it's for Apple. It's always about, and I and I, I give them credit for this. You know, the hero in their product announcements is always Apple, even though 5G was obviously the big, big message. You know, it's Apple's implementation of 5G. And we'll get into this a bit as we go through the call. But, you know, their, their brand promise is essentially, hey, we can deliver the best 5G phones, not just because of the 5G infrastructure, because of our silicon implementation, because we make our own chips. We own the operating system. We can optimize the operating system that way. And, uh, you know, that, I think that simplifies things for consumers. And I think it also valid, tends to validate the technology. So uh, let me flip it over to you, Rob. What, was, what jumped out at you? So I, I would also touch on 5G. My view of that is a little different. I think millimeter wave, the more time I spend trying to use it, the less I'm convinced that it's going to make any difference. So I have here on my desk the uh, new Verizon 5G hotspot. As you can see, it shows 4G LTE. Verizon's coverage map says there's a bunch of blocks within two blocks of my house where it, it should have a signal. I've probably spent an hour walking in circles over the past week. This has yet to pick up a 5G signal. Mm. Millimeter wave refers to the part of the wireless spectrum it uses, but sometimes it seems the range is also clocked in millimeters. Uh, I was more interested to see that uh, the, the iPhone 12 series supports the, the low band 5G that now all three nationwide carriers do, which mm -hmm. is basically the same frequencies 
they use for LTE, but now dynamically share between that and 5G, yes. which is not a huge upgrade. It may not be any upgrade at all in practice, mm -hmm. but at least it's more capacity. Uh, they also support mid-band 5G, which is above today's frequencies, below millimeter wave. You should actually have usable speed and range. Only T-Mobile has that right now, but it also supports the bands that are now getting licensed by the FCC, sold off to the carriers and should be let up for service over the next couple of years, assuming the wireless carriers will certify these new very expensive phones they're selling, that they could always decide to disappoint customers. This is the wireless industry. Uh, that I think is a good bit of future proofing and it looks like Apple seems to be a little ahead of competition, even though they're still getting the same uh, you know, wireless radios from Qualcomm as everybody else. They seem to have built in more mid-band support on this lineup than I've seen in other phones. Yeah, no, I agree, agree with you and Stuart that, that uh, it's kind of nice to see the whole future-proofing element built into these phones. Uh, because what I was afraid of, frankly, is that they'd come out with some other variant. And then oh, a year from now, when the 5G network is built out even more, oh, now i got to upgrade my phone, which would obviously not be a, a great thing. But I, we, you and I did talk about this. I'm sure you all, all of you saw that little story. I think it was on Apple Insiders reported someplace else that half of uh, Apple um, iPhone users yes. think they have they think they have 5G today because of the the, the brilliance of the AT&T organization and branding um, 5G as 5GE. And, and this is not the first time AT&T has done something, frankly, boneheaded, you know, um, but it just blows my mind in terms of how even big companies can make really questionable uh, decisions. John, your reaction to the uh, to the uh, to the announcement. Uh, I thought, you know, they have to do 5G. They had to do, you know, all of it. The millimeter wave, the 25 gigahertz stuff is is fun, but it doesn't affect most people. Um, it probably only has a fixed wireless application. You know, the distance is so short, as Rob just pointed out. And the megahertz, you know, 700 megahertz are the low end that people are sort of getting right now, which used to be our television signals. Um, if your television stations change, that's why they changed. Right. Um, you get some distance out of it, but not a lot of speed. It's just, I think it just helps with congestion. I don't think you're going to see very much of that download. I think there's a market for that fixed wireless thing. I mean, most of us hate our cable companies and we hate, you know, maybe the cellular companies close by, but um, anyway, that might be a market in the future. Like Rob's testing that fixed device once you sit it at home. But I think that was just a mandatory thing they had to do. I don't, I don't, they didn't really announce anything that really grabbed me in terms of the phones. What, what I really struck me about the event was the home kit is dead, long live home kit. I mean, it was sort of that complete capitulation to Amazon won the smart home fight. We failed, totally failed. Forget all that stuff we told you before. What we're gonna do is exactly what Amazon's gonna do. And that's, we're gonna copy Alexa because that's our entry point. That's what people wanna use. The smart home stuff is not working. HomeKit's not working. So they have their own speaker that um, iPod mini, you know, the iPod uh, speaker. HomePod mini. Yeah. Now, yeah, for those, now, for those people who are listening to the to, to the podcast, please watch the Apple announcement because they didn't exactly portray it the way that uh, <laughs> Mr. John just portrayed it. That was a, a rather cynical interpretation, but I appreciate the humor. That's good. Well, I mean, it's also, it's just practical. Look, I mean, nobody expected Alexa to do what it's done, not even Amazon. It was just a way to buy stuff online from your living room. I mean, that's all it was. Very dumb, not very intelligent. 
a few voice commands, and it's just exploded into every sort of reach into cars, into the home, under your phone. I mean, and it's just a recognition that, hey, this is probably the way to go in terms of all the smart home integration. It's not really that sophisticated, but that's what's working right now. And it's just a recognition from Apple saying, you know what? That's probably the best way to go is to do voice recognition, ask Siri to do these things. People are much more comfortable with it. It's much more convenient and it's working. So well, I thought that's a product that I might buy. You know, that's like, well, okay, that that one I would got 99 bucks. Yeah. Oh, no, well, I, I was just about to say that. I mean, what I was surprised at is we kind of segue to the, uh, the smart home part of the story, which was at the very beginning of the announcement. It was interesting that they led with that. Right. Uh, the, the, uh, but is I was really surprised at the price point. Because at $99 for an Apple product, and you know, no one's been able to, 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 to listen to what the audio sound is, but it's probably pretty good. Um, that's, that's a price point that's designed so you buy two or three, not just one. What's the last time Apple had something for 99 bucks? Like besides the Apple Pencil, the, the iPod <laughs> Shuffle? The cables are around $99. <laughs> that's called margin, Stuart. That's called lots of, lots of margin, right? where the real money is now you're talking about real money real dollars so yeah. what was your and we're going to come back to that in a second what was your reaction uh to the fact that only the verizon um uh executive uh and i forget his name was was um hans vesper uh, yeah hans vesper was 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 a feature of the event <clears throat> i was kind of surprised at that because at&t is the one that brought apple to the party if you go flash back to 2007 you know with the original 3g phones it was really, it was really AT and T, and I'm, I was expecting an AT and T guy to come out on stage after that, but they didn't. So, any, any, uh, let, Rob, let me uh, throw that over to you. What was your take on that interesting guest? Yeah, that was weird. I mean, if you wanted to have somebody make the case for five G, it should have been somebody from T Mobile because the mid band right. spectrum they're they're lighting up that as they reform it from the old Sprint network, that's got real potential. Like that is one area where you would get some actual value out of 5G. Right now, I, I wouldn't spend, there, there's really not much of a price premium I would pay just to get millimeter wave 5G support. Right. And Verizon has leaned in so hard on that, they call it 5G done right. And now they have this other 5G network, which I guess is 5G also done right, 5G done righter. I'm not sure how they're gonna parse the branding of that. Uh, instead, it was all Verizon and and that company is is just not well placed to make the case for 5g because of the way they went all in they pushed all the chips into the the millimeter wave 5g part of the table yeah. and um yeah yeah we're just I curious to me the a lot of money one guy compromise on tim cook i don't know what it was there was a deal made someplace there was a deal made yeah. someplace. Stuart, any thoughts on that? Did you find Yeah, that? I, I was really surprised it was Verizon also, but for different reasons. AT&T, despite their chicanery with their branding, which is not new for them, um, and T-Mobile both had announced, the FCC had um, stipulated that in order to be able to call your network nationwide, you had to cover 200 million people. And Verizon announced at the Apple event that they had reached that level way after both T-Mobile and AT&T had. So the fact is that Verizon's 5G network itself is much smaller right now, covers less people than either T-Mobile or AT&T does. So that was, that was the other thing that surprised me that one of the other carriers was not represented there. The fact that Verizon essentially used it to announce that they had now established you know, their own 
nationwide 5G network. So I, that surprised me also. John. Not yeah. surprised at all. No, I, I agree with, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm not so surprised because it's all part of marketing and I don't know what ex exchanged hands or what have you, but I, I do. I mean, I will say that I find it really ir irritating even after, you know, many years of this covering 200 million people. Yeah, if you don't move, you know, and if you stay right there in the city, we cover you. But if you're out in the country somewhere, we don't even cover you for cellular network, let alone 5G. So I, I think it's sort of, that's what irritates people. It's like, yeah, great. If I'm in the middle of San Francisco or I'm in Manhattan, yeah, I get coverage, but everywhere else, not so much. So uh, it, it's, I just find it irritating anyway. So it's a long time. I agree with you, you know, but it was a weird representation. Why not T-Mobile? And then also, you know, it's not, as Rob just pointed out, it's not an immediate concern for most of us since we're not going to see the benefits right now. But I mean, but it had to be in the phone. They had to add it. They had to. I think it's important to realize one really important thing, and I think we're all technologists, and I think we all realize is that what is true now is not necessarily what's going to be true in the future. And to a certain extent, we are replaying 2013. In 2013, Apple introduced the iPhone 5, which was their first 4G LTE phone. And at the time, LTE 4G phones had been available from other people for about two years, exactly the same situation we have now. And what ended up happening was that because Apple finally decided to come out with a 4G LTE phone, everybody raised the level of their game, especially the carriers, to make sure that that technology was going to be far more broadly available than it had been, to the point where now 4G LTE was extraordinarily widespread. So all the complaints about 4G and to a lesser extent, uh, 5G and to a lesser extent, millimeter wave, we're still at the beginning of this technology. And the point that I made when we opened up was that this is a, to a certain extent, not a phone that you buy now to take advantage of things now, but an investment in that if you buy the phone, now, remember a lot of people are buying their phones now and holding on to them for much longer. Mm -hmm. So if you got this phone three years from now, it is going to still be is valuable, it will be more valuable than to a certain extent. It will hold its resale value longer because it is able to connect to a wider range of, of frequencies and to wider range of bandwidth. Um, so I think for consumers, this is not necessarily, oh, buy this now, it'll be great, but I'll buy this now and I don't have to worry about this. And, and when I decide to upgrade, I'm going to be able to get a good price for this because it's still going to be a valuable phone. You know, what I want to spend some time on um, are really two other topics. And that one topic is in the more practical area. And that is some of the things that I was pleased to see Apple do from an industrial design standpoint. You know, they, for, for example, you know, the, the ceramic um, uh, element, uh, material they're now using, the shielding they're using now for the phone, which I think, you know, frankly, you know, people continue to still drop their phones and and I'm always shocked by the number of people who don't have a case on a thousand dollar phone, but that's a different story. They don't want to spend $50 to protect something that's a thousand dollars. But I think that was an interesting move. And I want to get your reaction as well to the other thing that I think that people will probably start to see a lots of value in is a resurrection of the whole MagSafe 
brand, they're mag building in magnets into the phone because, you know, believe it or not, I've actually tried to uh, play with that uh, in a kind of a jury rig type of thing where there are cases you can buy with magnets built into it. Because I hate some of the apparatus you have to put into a car to have a phone mounted. And now I use that, um, that cup holder thing that's been advertised on TV. And eh, it's kind of sort of okay. But I really like what Apple did there. And it's a very practical, it's not going to change your life, but it's a very practical um, uh, feature that, by the way, will probably spurn, you know, a billion dollars worth of accessories coming from different companies, which is interesting. So what, what's, what was your reaction to, the, uh, to those two things? John, I'll start with you. Oh, it was a little, yeah, I, I liked it for the car thing because I, obviously I test a lot of car technology and I'm constantly, you know, put a lot of miles in every week. So yeah, I love that. It, the idea that you could just put it up there, it would stick there to these devices and a lot of other gadgets, the charging, and charge You're absolutely not, right. Not just about the, the wireless charge. Yeah, oh, that, wow. that it, it hits wow. on that spot because they're absolutely right. I've got some chargers on my desk here, and the phone actually drifts after a while, and it slides <laughs> away from the the charge. So it's definitely a pain in the neck. On the other hand, they did some odd things, like they showed a a, a business card holder that snapped onto the back of it. I'm like there's something you're never going to see again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, not only are we not using the pandemic, we're not in person. We're not oh, giving. Or that credit card. Apple pay. I mean, isn't Apple pay supposed to be contactless, you know, but, uh, but I, right. I, I so that was, that was a little funny, but the wireless charging aspect, uh, they, they mentioned it from the start, you know, Oh, you sometimes don't get it exactly on. So you don't get a full charge. So I, th I think that's definitely, very valuable feature, even though it may, it may seem small and it, it requires a lot of hardware work too. Yes, so I thought yes. that was, you know, it's a complicated thing to do properly. So I actually liked it quite a bit. Rob, your thoughts? So I want to sort of talk about the conventional way to charge an iPhone, which I really, they're going to get rid of lightning at some point. And the longer they take the harder- That was a surprise too, they hung on to that. That was a surprise they hung on to lightning. Yeah. Although the cable they now have, the Lightning USB-C cable, which is kind of interesting. But go ahead. I'm sorry, Rob. Yeah, go ahead. No cables in the box, of course, which granted, if they were going to ship yet another iPhone with the, the same tiny little charger that takes forever to charge it, that was going to upset people as well. So yes. I, I, you could see it as they're, they're creating a huge market opportunity for Anchor and, and all the other third-party charger manufacturers. Um, but, but yeah, like Apple has got... They charge via USB-C for their laptops. Some of their iPads, depending on how big it is, how expensive it is, and none of their phones. And just get it over with, guys. <laughs> uh, the On the PC and Android side, we've all gotten used to the idea. You just take one charger, and it connects, charges everything you own. And Apple's not there yet. And so it's, it's going to happen next year, and people will be just as cranky now as they would have been today if they'd gotten it over with. Well, they wanted to leave something for the iPhone 12S. Well, well you, right. You got to have an S series phone after the the number only phone. Right. So they had that. They had to save something for the next gen. iPhone S twelve Pro Max Extreme <laughs> Deluxe. Running out of letters. We're running out of uh, real estate to put the uh, that that branding nomination. Yeah. But you know, still, what was interesting to me is that Apple is the only company I know, and they did this in the last announcement where they can take something out of the box and make you feel good about it. You know, I'm spending a thousand dollars on the phone, but I'm not gonna give you a charger for phone. You're gonna have to go out and buy your own charger because you're doing the right thing for the environment, you know? So that, to me, it's a bit, 
you know, yeah. Well, to me, the weird thing off, is, John, I'm sorry. The weird thing is, we, we, have, we have the old chargers, but they're almost useless for this phone. Um, that's what's a little surprising. The cable that they've been advocating is the USB-C to lightning. I have a couple of those because companies send them to me, but who has those at home? The rest of us, you know, the rest of the people still have a regular USB-A to lightning um, little one of those five waters. This phone is obviously, I think what they're really trying to do is really trying to push you to the wireless side. Um, where it does, if I remember the specs correctly, 7.5 on a regular Qi charger and 15 watt on one of the Apple wireless Qi chargers with the MagSafe. So I think that's really good. A couple of other things that I, mean, I mentioned before, 2013, the iPhone 5, I'm not sure that it's not coincidental that the iPhone 12 has the same flat perimeter antenna setup as the iPhone 5 did. Again, the same style phone as they move to the new next generation wireless technology. On the MagSafe cases, they showed that wallet case that slipped on the back. I, I'm leery about that because you put a credit card or, or some folded money in there. I wanna be sure that thing's not coming off as I'm slipping it in and out of my bag or in and out of my the Apple credit card. It's all solved that you pay everything with Apple. That, that, I, that I understand, but there Apple are going will, will to be people- your other credit cards, so you have to use theirs. <laughs> I, know, I know plenty of people who don't use Apple Pay. They just don't wanna put their credit card on the phone. And when you go running or you just wanna take a quick jaunt to the store, having sort of, I mean, I have a wallet case on my phone for that very purpose. I could just slip my credit card. Or, to buy the Apple bucket. Watch for that use case. Again, nobody, a lot of people don't wanna trust their, trust their credit card to their phone. A lot of people don't want to do it and people still want to run out with a couple of bucks in their pocket, but not carry both their phone and their wallet. So anyway, the wallet thing is, I just want to make sure it ain't going to accidentally no, slip I, off. I agree with that. You know, John brought the point up before is that especially because I think where the real practical application is going to be is in a car, a car mount, because it's, it's so challenging. I mean, I, if you looked at my closet, I must have 45 different things that i bought over they all have those gripper things oh, on the I, and i hate and i hate those yeah but it's going to be really a function of how strong those magnets are magnets are uh, right and now the MagSafe on the old macbooks were actually pretty strong i mean they would snap into place and they would align automatically yeah you know i have to believe apple knows that and I'm, I, I suspect we're going to see something pretty impressive well, they've got to be strong enough to stay on there so they don't accidentally fall off, but not strong enough where you're not wrestling with the damn thing to get it off the charger. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> One other topic I want to hit here um, in the a few minutes we have remaining is I continue to be very impressed with what Apple is trying to do in the photography uh, area. They are, you know, that you look at what they did with the 12 Pro. Um, they are really implementing capabilities now that really doesn't appeal, not an appeal, they're not really, they're overkill for the mainstream consumer. Oh. You know, the raw format, uh, Adobe um, Vision um, uh, video HDR. support, HDR and HDR support, you know, 60 frames per second. I mean, it's getting to the point now, really realistically, that there's not many reasons left to go out and buy a DSLR. You know, you know, and, and honestly, um, the, the other thing that, uh, you know, uh, occurred to me yeah. is that, and how far can you take that? You know, I mean, how far can you take that concept? But, but clearly 
you know, they, they want someone to buy the iPhone 12 Pro as an alternative to a camera. I mean, it's not just, hey, it's a great camera. This is your camera, you know? So reaction to that and Apple's strategy in that area. Uh, Stuart, I'll start, I'll start with you. Well, my, I learned a long time ago when I was buying computers way back, you know, in the Fat Mac days, um, I, used, I used to buy, I used to rationalize to myself that I would buy only what I needed at the moment. And then a year later, always regretted it. And so by offering these varying levels all the way up to the pro, again, it's we're going back to this whole future-proof situation. You're not only dealing with what consumers might want two or three years from now, but you're also dealing with competitive pressures. And obviously, right now, the smartphone market is really beginning to fragment quite sharply, somewhat as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. You're seeing a huge number of brands, mostly, um, especially on the Chinese side, uh, selling what we're now calling mid-range 5G phones. They're stripping out almost everything they can to lower the price of the phone. And Apple is not immune to this where, to a certain extent, they're still going to be able to sell the very expensive phone. But for people like me, not that I don't buy a phone every year, but there are people like myself who want the best technology they can have, but not have to buy one every year. And so by overloading the phone, there's a certain amount of cool factor as well as uh, I don't need to upgrade that I will stay constant with some of those other people buying the coolest phone this year. I still have a phone with all the cool capabilities in it. So they could people will be able to stall off longer and not feel as if um, they're losing it. They won't have as much FOMO two or three years from now when somebody else comes out with a real a, a phone with a really excellent camera. So my philosophy has always been buy at the top so I can stall off having to buy again sometime in the future. And well, I think what Apple does is pile it all on there, not for now, but for two or three years from now. And I don't disagree with that. Uh, but the, the other thing I layer on top of that is this whole notion of computational photography and mm -hmm. the energies, you, not only uh, what computational photography allows you to do, it really allows um, someone who's not terribly sophisticated. Yes, the technology is incredible. And you got to you got to use something, you got to uh, use something for that A4, uh, 14 silicon that they're putting in there. I mean, trillions of, um, of calculations. 11.8 trillion transistors. Uh, unbelievable, you know, but you have to use that horsepower for something. And, you know, I, I just think that it's going to introduce a level of not just photography, but videography as well, in terms of production work that is gonna be unbelievably um, creative that, that is accessible by the mainstream person if they choose to you know, utilize that capability. They'll and, find a way to use it, just look at TikTok. I yeah. mean, some of the creative stuff that you find on TikTok just blows my mind sometimes that people, that just average people are able to put together some of these very sophisticated short little videos on, on TikTok. And we haven't even talked about LiDAR. Wait till LiDAR kicks into that, you know. Mm -hmm. John, your thoughts on on the photography angle? Well, I think they did, you know, those are again, things that the features that they had to add, um, and it was sort of necessary. And you've only got two things to work with. You've got the lens and you've got the software. The sensors are, you know, sensors pick up everything. So you have to decide what you're gonna actually pick up as a, uh, than the photography technology. I do think, you know, you, you couple that with a magnetic backing, 
there you go, right? You've got a selfie stick, you've got a tripod, you've got these other accessories, you can start taking shots. I already have a, a gimbal system where you can put your smartphone on and basically it's like a steady cam. So we're using it for all these videos and everything from music videos to news reports. You know, we're using smartphones really. So that all makes sense. They did miss, not 120 Hertz, just saying, uh, screen. They have the OLED screen, but it's the old uh, refresh rate. You wouldn't buy a TV, at least I wouldn't recommend one of these TVs that's only 60 Hertz. It's really, you need 120 Hertz. So that was, that was kind of a misfire. I'm not sure whether the parts supply, what the issues were, um, but they, they, didn't, they didn't miss that. But the camera always is good. And I, I do think it, it is, uh, improves people's photography, no question about it. You can see it, you know, several generations. You go, well, that was taken with one of the later phones. Um, and well, I appreciate I, it. It's pretty amazing because if you look at uh, um, the camera on the early model iPhones versus yep. where they are today, I mean, the difference is biblically stark. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had an Agfa uh, digital camera I found in my desk that had like those big memory cards. I mean, it was oh, it was maybe a megabyte of picture. It was awful, you know. In those days, we we're like, digital photography is never going to take off. Look, it's terrible. And now look at it, right? It's you know Hasselblad and everybody else. So I think it's it's it, it was impressive, incremental, but always um, always appreciated uh, uh, improvement. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean Rob, your take. So, yeah, I mean, this this is not a great time to be a digital camera manufacturer. I think there is room for if, if they go where phones can't, things like ultra zoom lenses, really big sensors. Like I'm actually in the market. I mean, I was in the market to buy a new camera when I was thinking I really want to be able to take some great pictures at the Washington Nationals home opener when they ran up the World Series pennant. <laughs> and uh, it happened. So I pushed back that purchase a little bit. You went a year ago. Come on. Please, Rob. <laughs> We, we, we can redo it all over again in D.C. in April, I guess. Uh, the other area where I wish Apple had maybe not emphasized the camera so much, uh, the, one of the new iPads brings back the Touch ID sensor, and it's incorporated into the power button. And I was hoping to see that on one of these iPhones, and it's not. So once again, you have a really expensive phone that you cannot face unlock if you're wearing a mask. Right. And right. that's not going to change anytime soon. Right. So that's where I, I guess we'll have to wait for the iPhone 12s Pro Max, which presumably will have that Touch ID built into the power button, and you want to again be able to unlock the sucker with this instead of with this. I think they were playing with that uh, the behind the screen. I think what Apple wanted to do because if they put the touch the home button back, it takes away from the display area. And I know right, that well, that's why you put it in the power with, button, which well, and that and that by the I way, I know a couple of phones do that. And I, yes, and Sony's I, phones, which no one buys. Well, they're not available here. You know, yeah. I have a bit of a background that because I worked for Synaptics years ago. The, 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 the right. um, capability of introduce, putting biometrics in that's such a small piece of real estate, like a power button, that's a pretty remarkable achievement. You know, that's not a trivial deal. But to your point, I'm surprised that they didn't incorporate that because not too many people have really been you know, crazy about having to cut out and having the camera, you know, having to use, you know, the face ID as the ability to log on the phone. Um, last question for you, Stuart, are you going to buy one? Are you going yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm to? I'm, I'm holding out for the 12 Pro Max as per my philosophy of buying at the upper end 
to save myself money by not having to replace it in a year or two years from now. Right now I have the 10S Max and I just skipped the 11 because I knew this was coming. And it, the, the 11 was not offering me a compelling reason to upgrade to then upgrade again. So I'm like most people, I want to hold on to my phone for a longer period of time. So I'm holding out for the upper end. It's actually a teeny bit smaller than the phone I've got now, even though it has a slightly larger display. And with the much improved camera and the 5G, so I'll be good. Maybe I'll be able to skip the 12S, the 13, and maybe even the 13S. Well, and what I like about the max form factor is the battery. You get a bigger battery in the five. Bigger battery, right. But you, you know, it's interesting. And I, I'm going to ask all three of you, what kind of, how much storage are you, are you going to get 256 or 512? I, I, because I, I'm in New York City. I'm on the subway. I can't stream music in the subway. So I have to have a lot of my music that I listen oh. to on the phone. So yeah. if I'm going to carry my music collection around with me and a lot of music, subway, 500 gigabytes of music is a lot of music. John. Well, I, I have, I don't know, 12, 13,000 tracks. You put the sucker on shuffle play and I, I could listen for two years and I'd hear the same song twice, you know? So, but again, because I'm on the subway, that's where I listen to music. Most often I have to have the memory resident on the phone so I can have my music on the phone since I can't stream it. So I'm going to go for the biggest memory. Rob, same question to you. So I'm, I've been buying Android phones for a while. I have my my not too beat up Pixel 3a from last year, which I did not buy the Pixel 4a mainly because I can't justify buying a new smartphone every year, even if it is only 400 bucks. Uh, so if I were to be buying a new iPhone, the 12 mini would appeal to me just because it's small enough you can use it one handed, uh, which you know is handy if you're in a grocery store or whatever. Uh, hypothetically speaking, you're rolling luggage through an airport. Remember when we used to do that all the time? Uh, sure. I'm not, I've never been a Those fan of days. enormous Those phones. Yeah, yeah, you know, and we, we haven't spent too much time talking about the mini, but, you know, and it's obvious Apple's hitting a price point. They want to give people 5G capability, which is great. That, that form factor is almost too small for me, personally. I just find, I, I would find, even though it would be great to have, you know, I, I can use the, the Max in one hand without too much of a problem. Uh, the mini would be terrific from a, a one-handed use standpoint, but the screen to me is just a, a tad too small for me, but that's speaking for myself. John. I'm, I'm not going to buy it for myself, uh, but I probably will buy it for my daughter for Christmas, probably. Right. She it's, it's about, she's, you know, a year three or something on her phone. It's about that time to do that kind of an upgrade. Um, it, it is an interesting question in bringing up the mini because I know that as a form factor, she'd probably prefer that. Oddly enough, you know, she's a teenager, she's of the TikTok era and all of that. But I know that there, she likes the smaller form factor, doesn't like these larger ones. But it'll be interesting to see because there's a feature difference, um, how to make that decision. For me, you know, I'm still on the, the other announced phone this week was a OnePlus 8T, which I like very much. And uh, I, you know, a lot less money, $300 less. So it's, uh, it's, it's a hard sell this year. I think it's going to be interesting to see what sales are like given the pandemic. Does the fact that we're all at home mean we're all going to buy these things or the fact that we don't have much work right now mean we're not going to buy these things? No, I, th I, th I think, I, you know, I had this conversation with a reporter in the wall street journal on Monday. Um, and, uh, 
I think this is going to be one of the great tests of the Apple brand, you know, because yes, the Apple brand, you know, brings out the, the most um, incredible buying behavior with most people when they, when they refresh their products, but we are in a pandemic still. People are saving money at an unprecedented level, you know, which is unlike uh, the United States has been for the last uh, 10 years. We, you know, we've now turned into a savings country over the last six months. And, if, you know, $1,200, $1,300 is a lot of money. So it will be an interesting test of the brand. Um, I mean, there are reports, you know, that you've got uh, forecast reports out there that they might sell 80 million phones which is, I mean, just think about that number, you know, and then multiply it by what the ASPs that they're going to get, you know, that's not a bad holiday season. And, um, you know, my experience just, you know, this morning, I get on the website, uh, it took me 15 minutes literally to get in. And um, I suspect they're going to have a, <laughs> probably going to have a pretty good holiday season. But guys, listen, thank you uh, for your time. Thanks for joining me for t- today's uh, podcast. Uh, please follow uh, more insights and strategy on our social media partner uh, suspect list, list. That's uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great weekend. Thank you.